0: much for being here this morning thank you for joining us online if you would take your bible turn to luke chapter 14 we're in our series on the parables of jesus we're going to be looking at his parable of the great banquet found in verses 12 through 24 i want to ask you though before we get going to be praying for our student mission team uh, actually, Pastor Bo and Aaron are actually already up in the Asheville area as they prep to get ready for the students to come. They're they're cooking for the week, uh, so they need extra prayer on that. Uh, actually, uh, Cal and Karina, our interim uh, youth ministers, are leading the team of students and adults. As they're going to be ministering uh, to at the uh, uh, children's orphanage there in uh, Black Mountain, North Carolina. So they've got a lot of different things planned for them up there, but... I know they would love for you to be praying for them this week as they have opportunities to to share the gospel, as they have opportunities to be the hands and feet of God uh, as they minister in that area. So please uh, pray for them and uh, join me if you would now as as we pray for them as well. Lord, we do thank you for the opportunity that our students and our adults have uh, this coming week to serve you, uh, to serve you in the Black Mountain area, to serve you at the children's home. Uh, Lord, we just pray that you would open doors of opportunities for them to to share your gospel uh, with everyone they come in contact with. Uh, Lord, be with them as they are your hands and feet, uh, as they do work. Uh, Lord, we are grateful to you that you allow them this opportunity to serve you and to serve your people that you've created. Lord, we thank you, and we ask this prayer in your name. Amen. Well, let me set the scene for you, kind of like what the the little cartoon did for us. The beginning of chapter 14, we see that Jesus has been invited to the lead Pharisee's home on the Sabbath for a meal. And so in this home are other adults in which this, other men in which this Pharisee has invited to the table. Jesus knows that entering into such a scene means that they are looking for a way to trap him. Anytime you had the Pharisees and Jesus in the same context, it was their way of looking for a way to trap Jesus, find out anything they could on him. And it says in that scripture, even to observe him, uh, to, to be able to, to discount who he is. Jesus had a large following. They didn't like that. Ultimately, that would be give reasons to crucify Christ. Uh, we know crucify him for the sacrifice of our sins But that was the whole slant of the Pharisees to trap Jesus. Jesus being who he is, God in human form, in divine form, had the wisdom to see past what they were trying to do. And so he was able to present a question to them which he knew they couldn't answer. And part of it dealt with the healing of a man who had dropsy. And so Jesus actually does heal him. But in the context of that, he he avoids the trap in which they're trying to set up. So in the context of this, they're still sitting around this table together. Jesus continues to point out to the leader in this home, the, the, uh, the person of this home, that, hey, your motives are not right. Your intent is to invite only the rich. Your intent is to only invite the close friends that you have into your home while you miss all the others in your community. And so that then leads us to the the parable in which we're going to look at now. Jesus is constantly trying to challenge not only everybody he comes in contact with, like the Pharisees, but he's also challenging even his disciples to have a shift in thinking, to have a a shift in their attitude, to have a shift in their character that represents God in their life. So if you would, take your Bible. Let's look and pick up in verse 12. Verse 12. Of chapter 14, he said also to the man who invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors. So once again, he's telling this man of who not to invite. At Least they also invite you in return, and you will be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field, I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master and then the master of the house became became angry and said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you have commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who are invited shall taste my banquet. So Jesus here is telling us an earthly story, a story that has practical application. But at the same time in this parable, we also see that it has an eternal application as well. What kind of throws me off is the fact that the Pharisees, not once do we see in this passage, have a clue of who they are really sitting in the presence of. Yes, they know he's Jesus. Yes, at this point, they know he's done miracles. They know these things, yet they truly don't understand that they sit in the presence of God. And that just simply goes way above their head. But Jesus begins once again, the second time around, to press in on who they are, to press in on their own belief systems, to get them to realize what is asked of them. So let's break it down together. Let's kind of pull back some things and let's look at some key words and phrases that we see in this passage. In verse 12, we see, once again, he said also to the man who invited him, Jesus is saying this, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite. So He's telling him who he needs to invite. Now, this man's already invited rich folks. He's already invited his closest friends. Jesus is saying, you've given the wrong invitation. Your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, at least they also invite you in return and you be repaid. You see, the whole idea of building their status was, I invite you to a meal, I expect you to invite me back to a meal. That was the whole mindset. If I take you to lunch, well, next week I expect you to take me to lunch. You see, their goal was to keep a certain status in their culture, in their society. And they played to that end. Then in verse 13, it says, But when you give a feast, Jesus continues to say, But when you give a feast, invite the poor. Change your invitee list. Change who you bring around the table with you. He says, Invite the crippled, the lame, the blind, the same group of people that he mentioned earlier in the, in the, in the chapter. Verse 14, and you will be blessed. You see, if you just take somebody out for a meal or you invite them to your house for a meal and they do that in return, that's not really a blessing. You're just putting on an expectation. But Jesus says, if you invite someone to your table who can't invite you back, then you're inviting out of compassion. You're inviting out of a need. And as a result of that, you're going to receive my blessing. A blessing is not going to come to you in a monetary sense, but the blessing is going to come to you because you've done something for someone else. And that's a a problem that they had. They were so caught up on their self, exalting their self, that we see earlier in the chapter, that humility wasn't even in their vocabulary. But Jesus continues to press in on them to help them to realize what he calls people to do. And you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. In several other translations, that resurrection of the just also reads rejection, not rejection, resurrection of the righteous. Resurrection of the righteous is resurrection for those who follow Christ, who serve him, who love him as their Lord and Savior. That's what that reference is. You see, you and I know that Jesus' goal was to build relationships with an invitation. Not to, be, not to build relationships in hopes to get something back. We also see in here that there is an earthly blessing by inviting someone out of compassion and out of humility, but there's also the eternal repayment for doing what God calls you and I to do as his child. You see, new friendships are a blessing. When you and I get to know somebody for the first time, we begin a journey with them, and in turn, it becomes a blessing to us. I don't know how many times in my own life where I've prejudged someone to thankfully learn that they were far away from what I thought. God began to open up a door to open up clearly what that person means. God clearly showed me the investment that I can make and the investment that they can make in my life to help me to be a person that God desires for me to be. God uses relationships to refine us. God uses relationships to bring us closer to Him as they speak into our lives. But when we only invite a certain circle of friends, we lose out on all the other blessings around us that come in the form of relationships. And they couldn't see that. But yet Jesus was trying to help them realize that. When was the last time that you blessed somebody simply by saying a kind word? When was the last time you blessed somebody by simply acknowledging their presence? Have you ever been surprised when you're at Walmart or Target or wherever you find yourself and you simply extend a kind gesture of hello? How are you doing? Are you having a good day? There's been many times when I've said those phrases that I get this look of shock in the person's face because nobody has said that to them. It's amazing what you and I, through the power of God, can do through a simple gesture of kindness by greeting someone and acknowledging that person because too many times they go through their day where nobody acknowledges their existence. And Jesus wanted help to help these men in this room, in this home, to realize that they need to acknowledge those that they normally don't acknowledge. And the final point of that verse says to you and I as Christ followers, our repayment comes at the resurrection. We're not getting chips, we're not getting coins, we're not getting anything like that on earth because God doesn't work that way. But what God does for you and I is at the resurrection when we spend eternity with him. In verse 15, as we go on, we see this, when one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, this man said to Jesus, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Now we kind of get the idea that maybe he's getting ahead of himself. That here's a Pharisee who doesn't know who is actually sitting in his presence, but yet he is projecting the fact that he's going to be blessed when he gets into the kingdom of God. And I think we realize and we see in this passage of Scripture Jesus' approach to his comment by how Jesus responds to his comment. Truly, he made a true statement. But Yet his own life, this Pharisee, his own life did not re- represent the statement that he made. Because listen to what Jesus says. But he, Jesus, said to him, A man once gave a great banquet. So he's beginning to unfold a story for this man to help him see a truth that he's not seeing any other way. A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. Now you and I got to realize as followers of Christ in our relationship with God and God's relationship with the world it's not about a few. It's about the many. It's about his message of the gospel reaching everybody in this world that he has created and he's created everyone. So when we see there that this man when we look at it from an eternal perspective of this parable, this man is re- representing God. Not just an ordinary man, there's a there's two there's two stories going on here. There's the earthly story, the practical side of it, but there's also The spiritual side of it, there's the eternal side of it that God is pointing out. A man once gave a great banquet, invited many and at the time for the banquet he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited come for everything is now ready. It was a custom of that day to send out two invitations. It kind of reminded me as I read that, it kind of reminded me of, you know, if you get one of those cards in the mail that says save the date, you know Mark this date on because here's our celebration coming, whether it be marriage, whether it be some other type of announcement. But in that day and time, two invitations went out. The first invitation was to find out who is actually going to come to the banquet. They got the yes or they got the no. And so they would come back based on the yes, and they would plan and they would prep for that banquet. Everything that was involved, all the food that was involved, all the extra special things that were involved in setting up this banquet, that was the first invitation. But then when the person who put on the banquet or put on the gathering had everything ready, everything was prepared and prepped and ready to serve, then he would send that servant back out to those who said yes to say, now is the time. So it's not like you get an invitation in the mail and it says on July 21st, at 7 p.m., show up at my house. When the food was ready, that's when you got the second invitation. When the banquet was ready, that's when you got the second invitation. So the servant goes out and invites and tells everybody, come, for everything is ready. Now again, the second part of this parable is talking about eternity. And as I read this part, there's another thing that in, in Scripture that talks about eternity Jesus is talking to his disciples in John chapter 14. And so when I read this my mind also went to this passage because it helps us see the mind of God and how God prepares for his people who love him, who serve him, who obey him, who call him father. John 14:2-3 says, "In my Father's house are many rooms." Once again we get that word that concept of many, not a few. God has plans for everyone, everyone who will call on his name. It goes on to say, if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. In Jesus' story, in parable, he talks about preparing a meal. In this message to the disciples, he talks about preparing a place. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. God's desire for you, God's desire for me, God's desire for all creation is that we live in eternity in the presence of God. And that is a part of what this parable is about. We go on to see, but they all alike began to make excuses. Not just one of them that said yes, not just two of them that said yes, but everyone of the invitees who said yes to coming to the banquet, came up with an excuse for why they couldn't. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. So in this case, these two have possessions that are more important than coming to this banquet. Now, this is the banquet. This is the most important banquet of their life. This is God's banquet. And yet they have excuses for why they can't. Their possessions became more important to them than becoming a part of the banquet that God was throwing, that this man was throwing. It goes on to say there, it says, "...and another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come." Now he's blaming his spouse. He's blaming his wife for why he can't come there are times in a person's life that relationships become more important than what God desires in this scenario the relationship with the spouse was more important at that moment can all these things that they brought up happen at another time of course they can can this person this man go and see his property yes he can 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 this man go and see the oxen that he's he's purchased? Of course he can. Can he take one moment and not be with his wife? Of course he can. But they chose the excuse over the presence of the man throwing the banquet. They chose an excuse over the opportunity to be in the presence of God. Which causes me to ask myself a question. When do I allow possessions and relationships to get in the way of my relationship with God? Not only when do I, but when have I allowed possessions and relationships to get in between my relationship with God? Because it happens. God speaks about possessions. God speaks about relationships all throughout his word. And the whole point is for you and I to have relationship with God. Everything else filters itself out. Why did God say in the Ten Commandments, Do not have any other God before me? Because God desires our attention. God desires our full focus. It's not that he doesn't want us to have possessions. It's not that he doesn't want us to have relationships but he does want to have our attention and he does want to have our relationship with him and it's actually a question that I got to continue to ask myself and to continue to evaluate myself to make sure possessions don't supersede my relationship with God to make sure that my relationship with my wife, my relationship with my sons my relationship with my friends and the people that I minister with and minister to do not become the top priority and supersede my relationship with the Lord. Jesus goes on to continue to tell the parable. He says, So the servant came and reported these things to his master. And then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets. Here's one of those turning point moments. For this man throwing this banquet. He could have easily scattered everything. He could have easily thrown out all the preparation, all the food, just disregarded it whatsoever. But yet he chose to take a negative situation and to make something good out of it. He chose to bring others into his home that normally he would not have. Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled the blind and the lame, once again, Jesus is pressing into these men around the table. These are the people that you need to look for. Quit always looking at the same ones. Invite those that you normally do not invite. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded, I, I love this. Sir, what you have commanded has been done. I followed through with what your request was. But then he says, and still there is room. There's still a place for somebody else. There's still a place for more people to come in. And then listen to what Jesus says of the master's response was. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and the hedges. And listen to this. I think this word is so important right here. And compel. He didn't say, and go out to the, he- the highways and the hedges and get people to come in. He said, no... Go out to the highway and the hedges and compel people to come in. Aggressively encourage them to come into my home and sit at my table. Don't be passive. Don't settle for one response, but do it until you convince them to come into my house because I know how important this meal is for them. Compel them to come in. When's the last time I compelled somebody to be a part of what God is about? When is the last time I pressed in, pressed in, and pressed in, instead of gave in to a simple no? Compel people to come in, that my house, once again, Jesus' word, the reflection of God the Father, my house may be filled. I just don't want a few people in the room. I want them falling out the windows. I want them falling out the doors. I want to see a line of people trying to get through the the door to get to the feast. Because that's what satisfies me. That's what brings glory to me. And then the last verse of this parable It's just one of those things that you can call it a gut punch, you can call it a slap upside the head, however you want to label it. And Jesus says, For I tell you. He's gone now from telling a parable, telling a story, to now making a statement. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited talking about the men who came up with the excuses, none of those men who were invited shall taste, very important word, my. None of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. None of those men who were invited shall see my eternity. None of those men who were invited shall be in my presence eternity see jesus knew the heart of that pharisee who said blessed is the one who eats in the kingdom of god he already knew the man's heart he knew the number of excuses that man had come up with and would continue to come up with and right then and there he said to him it's not going to be you and all you who are also sitting at the table, it's not going to be you either. That's a strong statement. Because you being a Hebrew, you've kind of got this idea that, yeah, it's going to be me because I'm a Hebrew. You be a Pharisee, you've got this idea, yeah, it's going to be me because I'm a Pharisee. And Jesus says, no, you're not listening. You have ears, but you're not hearing me. You have eyes, but you're not seeing what I'm doing. And he calls them on the table. You see, the kingdom of God is not an entitlement. Just because I'm a Baptist, just because I have a Christian faith, it's not about entitlement. It's about saying yes in my faith to God as my Lord and as my Savior is saying yes to his provision of his son for the forgiveness of my sins. That's what allows me to sit at the table. That's what allows me to come into the banquet room that God has. All through this parable that Pastor Bo's been leading us through this series, he's asked us to think about three questions. What does this parable teach me about God? Where do I see myself in this parable? And then lastly, how does this change the way I view the world and the way I live? So here are the things that stood out for me as I think about those questions. One, God's invitation is for everyone. God's invitation into a relationship with Him is not limited by our status. It's not limited whether we're rich or whether we're poor. It's not limited whether we're on the invite list or the uninvited list. We are invited by God because we are created by God from the very beginning. And we all have the opportunity to either accept or reject that invitation. But God's invitation is for everyone. Excuses will keep you from the presence of God. I've had excuses in my life where God, through His Holy Spirit, has prompted me to speak, to say, to do, and I came up with an excuse. And you know what happened? I missed the blessing that would have happened if I would have said yes. By saying no to a simple word or expression from God, I didn't get to receive the blessing. See, excuses keep us out of the presence of God. Excuses keep us from joining God in what God is doing. God is always at work around us it doesn't matter what's going on god is always at work my wife and i went out and got something to eat the other night and we sat at this table and we're like oh man ain't no practice going on here and man i felt like claustrophobic even even if it was no covid and uh, hearing this conversation going on at the table behind me i'm like and then Trish and I were having a conversation about, it. you know, what does God call us to do in moments like this? And then all of a sudden, that conversation, that conversation took a turn. And it went from an earthly mindset to all of a sudden, God entered into the conversation. And one person at the table was asking him, when's the last time you've been to church? And that opened the door to the, the, that person's thought of God that person's thought of Jesus. And it was on and on and on. And I was like, wow, that took a turn. <laughs> but in that moment, Trish and I were saying, what do we do? And in that moment, God says, I'm going to change this conversation. <laughs> and I'm going I'm to give you an opportunity to do something. And I'll be honest with you. In all my life as a Christian and a minister, I have never done this. I wrote my name and my church And my phone number on my receipt, and I went to their table when I left, and I said, Hey, don't mean to eavesdrop. They started to laugh because they knew the conversation was pretty loud. And the guy and the person says, You just happened to be sitting near a pastor tonight, and that guy started to laugh. And I heard him laugh as I laid that paper down and walked away. But God spoke pretty clearly. He spoke even clearly through my wife, says, What you going to do? <laughs> but God was in that moment, and I stepped forward. What's going to come of it? I have no idea. But in that moment, whatever seed that God called me to do, I did. Thankfully, I didn't come up with an excuse that I needed to get out of the restaurant. But I enjoyed an opportunity to be in the presence of God, however, God chooses to use that moment. But most importantly, constant excuses will lead you to an eternity without God. Hear me out now. Constant excuses will leave you in an eternity without God. Because there will come a day when you say no, when you come up with another excuse will be the last opportunity you have. You and I do not know the day or the time in which we're called to our eternal existence. That existence is either in the presence of God as we see see Scripture talk about heaven or it is in in an eternal existence away from God, apart from God, what we see in Scripture is called hell. We don't know the day or the time but our opportunity for excuses will run out and our opportunity to be able to say yes and to step into a relationship with with the Lord who created you and who loves you. We don't know how long that will be. The other thing that I see here is God doesn't have limited seating. God's invitation is for everyone, but also God doesn't have limited seating. There's always a chair at the table. Somebody fills up that chair, guess what? Another one's going to pop up. There's always a seat at the table with God, in the presence of God. And that is the beauty of having a relationship with God. That is the beauty of you and I as believers. We have the opportunity not only to, have the, to receive the invitation, but to also extend the invitation to others. We have the opportunity to allow God to be spoken of. The church I grew up in, I was a student ministry intern, me and another guy. And each week we had to sit with our youth pastor, our boss. And basically it was a time of discipleship where he poured into us and he challenged us. And we happened to be talking about sharing our faith that day. And he simply looked at me and he said, David, you know what your problem is? He said, you think you've got to begin the conversation of salvation and you've got to finish it at the finish line and and see that person come to know the Lord, he said, that becomes a stumbling block for you. He says, Dave, you've got to look for an opportunity in a way just to bring God up in the conversation and to let God do the rest. And over 30 plus years, that has stuck with me. That God just wants me to drop a seed. God just wants me to bring his name up in the conversation, however that can happen. You're having a conversation with a friend and, and maybe they're going through something, and you simply say the word, I'm going to pray for you. Most people know that when you're talking about prayer, you're talking about going to God, regardless of who they are in their faith and their walk or what they know of God or not. When you say prayer, they kind of have an idea of what you're talking about. You and I look for ways and opportunities to bring God up in the conversation. You know, one of the simplest things for you and I to do as believers is to invite somebody to worship. It's really that simple. Hey, you come worship with me? Let God do the rest. God never said he wouldn't. God just wants you and I to be obedient. He's, he's going to do the rest. What about inviting somebody to your small group? Hey, we're getting together. Please come. You know, We do this Bible study together. Come check it out. There's no pressure there. If they don't come, they don't come. But if they do... It has a high probability of being a moment in their life that they come to know the Lord or begin the process of becoming to know the Lord as their personal Lord and Savior by a simple invitation. What are you going to do with your invitation? What have you done with your invitation to come to know the Lord as, as your Lord and Savior? I look around this room, and I know several of you have stepped through and said yes to Jesus' invitation to come to know him as your Lord and Savior. Others, I do not know that answer for you. What are you going to do with that invitation? You see, the Pharisees at lunch believed because of their Hebrew D- DNA, they would be in the kingdom of God. There's many who think today because of their religious or denomination, denominational affiliation that they're granted into the kingdom of God, but none of that is true. We only get to experience eternity with God when we say yes to God's invitation to come into relationship with Him through the forgiveness of our sins and saying yes to Him as our Lord and Savior. God's invitation is into a relationship with Him. Nothing else. A relationship with God the Father. What will you do with your invitation that God gives you? Lord, thank you so much for your word. It is a constant of how you press into our life. It is a constant in how you challenge us. It is a constant in how you uh, lead us to shift our mindset, to shift our attitude and our character. Lord, any time we open up your word, may it, may it not go void in how it applies to us, in how you desire for us to live it out. Lord, whoever we need to extend an invitation into a relationship with you, Lord, give us the strength to do that. Lord, remove any barriers that may be in the way from us doing that, whatever the case might be, Lord. Lord, help us to be obedient to you in what we say and how we live. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you that when we step into relationship with you, that you restore us. And set our life on a course where we get to know you more and more. And where we become who you desire for us to be. Lord, we thank you. We ask this prayer in your name. Amen.